Okay, let's talk about what I have learned about psychopharmacology. When the atypicals first came out, uh, everyone thought that they were much, much better than the older antipsychotics. They were really pushing them hard when they first came out. They did not know at that time that these drugs, you know, accelerate appetite, that they, some of them are very strong antihistamines. Uh, they didn't know that some of them can actually induce mania rather than prevent it. Uh, and I mean, some of the side effects you can get from these atypicals are pretty nasty compared to the older drugs like Risperdal. I don't know what the exact uh, statistical um, the last uh, statistical measure is of how many people get that side effect, but gynoplastomania is uh, something that a man certainly wouldn't want to have as a side effect. I mean, it is, it is just not a very good side effect to have on, on the laundry list of side effects for a medication. Now, the biggest offender on metabolic syndrome, according to the studies that I've read and the doctors I've talked to, the two can biggest candidates are um, clozapine and olanzapine. Those are the biggest offenders as far as weight gain goes, uh, glucose levels, and the whole metabolic syndrome thing. Risperdal, according to the studies at least, is more moderate in those cases. Seroquel, in some textbooks that I have read, is supposed to be a broad-spectrum medication that controls depression, mania, and anxiety. Check, check, check. It's supposed to be broad-spectrum. Okay? At least that's one textbook I read said. And, uh, uh, and in some cases, I have heard that some, you know, more liberal psychiatrists will prescribe it as a uh, anti-insomnia drug for uh, non-bipolar, non-schizophrenic patients. Okay. They will use it off-label for that. I don't know if they do it still, but I have heard that on the street, at least, that, that it has been used for that. Uh, 
and um, it doesn't quite uh, have the same weight gaining properties as Zyprexa does, but still it's not the greatest. Then we move on to a drug called Geodon or Zaprasidone, which is the generic name. Now Zaprasidone came out uh, in the somewhere around the early 2000s. At the time there was quite a bit of concern about that drug. There's a black box warning because of some abnormal heart rhythms. And so some doctors will get you know very conservative and say you've got to have the the uh, EKJ EKG I mean before you go on that drug. Others will say just take it. So it just depends who you, who you talk to. And um, I have heard that, at least from my sources, and I don't have you know the all the nitty gritty um, textbooks to back me up on this, but. Um, geodone is supposedly, according to Wikipedia, it can induce mania more than a lot of the other atypicals. And that it uh, does not necessarily calm you down as far as anxiety goes. And uh, one of the big benefits of that drug is that, you know, it's about the leanest, meanest of them all because uh, because, I mean, as far as the metabolic uh, side effect profile goes on that one, I mean the lowest weight gain, the lowest uh, fasting glucose, the lowest this, the lowest that on, on those kinds of side effects. According to, at least in the research, I don't know in the real world if it really works that way, but that's what the research says. And um, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, you know, zaprazidone can be used as a injectable med, just like Heldal can. And um, and uh, geodone. No, it kind of, the word geodone is kind of like bringing it back to earth, right? <laughs> That's what it says in the trade name, at least. Uh, so, um, so that was a clever marketing term, okay? Then you have Abilify. Abilify, you know, kind of is like, well... Let's give you some ability, so we'll call it Abilify. <laughs> and um, 
The problem with that drug, I mean, and I know from personal experience with that one, is that it makes you want to, you know, uh, it makes you incredibly restless, or at least it did in my case study, okay? Incredibly restless. I mean, I had to go to the ER to get off of that drug because it was just whacking me out. And, um, you know, and You know, so, uh, you know, we can talk about a lot of the atypicals and then there's this one called, what do they market on TV? They call it, uh, um, the new one and it escapes my name. It's the new pill. For some reason, I don't watch the TV much, so I can't remember what the trade name of it is. Um, but, um... You know, it's not as easy as saying just take the pill and your symptoms will go away. I mean, I've talked to experts and they say that's not the case. You have to have an injunctive therapy with that drug. It's not going to be one pill and wambo-bambo, everything's going to be fine. Uh, so, uh, you know... Um, it's deceptive because uh, I had one practitioner tell me that that drug is more for schizophrenia than it is for bipolar disorder. And I almost wonder if all of the atypicals are more for schizophrenia rather than bipolar disorder because none of them ever kept me as level as lithium did. And... Um, I, you know, I tried all the formulations of lithium. I tried all the different generics and, you know, the nausea would not stop. You know, I remember being on an Amtrak with lithium in my system and I had eaten a meal and when I got off the train, you know, I felt like I was just gonna, you know, violently vomit in the cab that was taking me back to my apartment or wherever I was living at the time. It was excruciating and I just, I mean, I, I felt like I was just gonna blast out but I sucked it up and there was no mess, okay? Uh... And I never actually threw up from lithium, but you know it it made me excruciatingly nauseous, excruciatingly. So I tried my best to stay on it, but um, you know, and I taught on it, feeling like very nauseously at Purdue. You know, I was feeling incredibly nauseous. And, um, and so,
And uh, so, you know, I just, you know, it was like, you know, I could not enjoy any food on that drug at all, no matter what it was. You know, it was just excruciating. And, um, so we try the different formulations and, and I don't know if adding any kind of, you know, anti-nausea drug would have, uh, counteracted that, you know, I'm, I don't know because they use olanzapine sometimes for, um, for cancer patients, you know, uh, to as an anti-emitic. I think they do that with Haldol too. And um, and so I did have some experience being on Haldol. I had this one psychiatrist who was an independent independent practice psychiatrist, and he said, "Why don't we try Heldol and lithium together?" And um. Up here, they think that is kind of a um, not such a good idea, but you know, down there, um, you know, I, I was on it for about a month, and what seemed to be happening is that the hell doll was keeping the nausea from the lithium in check. I mean, I was on that combination for for about um, about a month, and it's supposed to be a toxic combination. You know, maybe they're right. You're not, you're not supposed to be on that long term. But I mean, I was on lithium and that, and I think, what else do we have on board? Because when he shook my hand, he said, "You're awfully sweaty, so we need to put you on um, a benzodiazepine too to kind of cut down the sweat in your palms, you know." <laughs> um, You know, and um, you know, so I think the hyperhidrosis is also related to the thyroid too. I mean, I don't think it's just anxiety; it must be the thyroid as well. And um, so. So that was kind of, and then, and then one of the anticonvulsants at the time, Neurontin was kind of the, or uh, gabapentin was a very popular drug to replace with um, Depakote, and 
you know, Neurontin was being used off-label, okay? And, uh, you know, it does, what it does more is it, you know, it messes you up cognitive, cognitively than anything else, you know. It's, it's not a very good drug for bipolar disorder at all. And, um... And so, uh, you know, that was an experiment, okay? And then some of the other anticonvulsants like trileptal, well, you know, that drug uh, can make you feel unsteady and unbalanced, you know? It, um, and it doesn't really do much for mood at all, you know? Um, at least it didn't for me in, in my case study. Uh, then we can move on to topamirate or topamax. The slang term is dopamax. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, it's basically made for migraines and uh, seizures, you know, but at the time the doctors were thinking it was also good for bipolar disorder. And, uh, and some of them were using it back then to kind of counteract weight gain that you would get from Zyprexa. Um, you know, they thought that was a good reason to put you on it, okay? At least from a, you know, a psychiatric point of view. And then, you know, some of the doctors would say, well, you know, uh, or one doctor at least said, if you're so worried about diabetes, you know, uh, on Zyprexa, then we'll just give you a diabetic drug, you know. <laughs> We're not going to teach you how to eat healthy and exercise. We want to drug you up. And, um, you know, and I got a lot of flack from my doctor at Purdue for trying to, you know, eat well, you know. He mocked me for it, okay. And uh, so, uh, you know, when I come up here and find a physician that said, well, we need to change the way your diet is so you don't get diabetes, you know, that isn't such a bad plan because, you know, you certainly don't want to have that on top of bipolar disorder. And from her point of view, if she was being sincere at least, was that, uh, you know, diabetes would be much worse than bipolar disorder. So, you know, um, she was hoping that I could, you know, handle the lithium. I mean, that was her, her wish, okay? But, Um, you know, it, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it was, 
it was just not an easy fix with the medications. And um, so, and she said, well, you know, then there's, there's always um, Tegretol, Tegretol. And she says, it's not such a great drug. You know, you've got, uh, when you take Tegretol, then it, it um, messes with all the other levels of your other medications. You know, it's not the greatest drug in the world. Uh, so if you're taking Tegretol, it might affect the levels of your thyroid and thyroid drug and all that other stuff. So it's, it's not a very good drug to take if you're on multiple medications for non-psychiatric conditions. And um, I read a report once in The Lancet that did a double-blind head-to-head comparison of Heldal with all of the atypicals. They did a head-to-head comparison, and their conclusion was that Heldal outperforms all the atypicals when it comes to um, uh, severe psychosis. That's the best drug you should be giving. And that's what the Lancet said. And um, they said it's the reason not only because it's more effective than the atypicals, but also because it's much, much cheaper, more cost-effective. And, um, you know, it would save a lot of money, you know, for uh, the government to, you know, reimburse Helopyridol than it would, you know, some of these drugs before they became generics. You know, because each new drug that comes out for um, a psychiatric um, condition starts out with a trade name, and then in the United States, they, you know, they charge you without any insurance that trade drug is about, um, you know, over $300 in cold cash a month, okay, without any insurance, okay? What else could you do with $300? A lot, you know. Do you spend $300 at a grocery store? I don't think so, you know. So, you know, um, so you have to understand, you know, you're not, you know, you have to understand that these drugs are not just um, protected by stringent consumer quality stuff. There's a lot of promotions about them, okay? Compare that to the 1980s 
when they promoted over-the-counter medications that were low-priced. They were promoting the stuff that flies off the shelf. And now they're promoting the stuff that's very, very expensive, okay, that not everyone can afford. So why is big media, you know, pushing these pills when back in the 80s they were pushing the pills that, you know, were inexpensive, okay? So it's, it's ironic, okay? It's ironic. Um, very ironic. And so, um, you know, it was kind of an innocent time because a lot of these over-the-counter over meds, you know, aren't as technically sound as these, you know, prescription drugs, okay? So they're, I mean, they're promoting them for a good reason, but I'm just saying that, you know, the over-the-counter drugs were cheaper then, you know, when they were advertising them. And now they're advertising these drugs that can set some people back, you know, a lot of money if they don't have any insurance. And so, um, so, you know, maybe rather than universal health care, <laughs> maybe a better solution would be to have universal prescription care, you know. It might make a big difference if you think in those terms, you know. You know, so, um... I mean, if you can have uh, universal prescription care, universal ear hearing—I mean, hearing aid, aid care, universal um, medical supplies like wheelchairs and canes and crutches and and so forth like that. Okay. That might make more sense. That might be a sounder policy to use. Universal, um, universal uh, pharmacology, or I mean, universal prescription drugs. I mean, so people are less likely to use alternatives. Okay. Let the doctors be the experts and keep them well-trained and diligent and uh, let everyone get a break at the pharmacy, okay? So, you know, you can think about these policies in different ways, okay? Because when you drop down to Latin America, I mean, if you believe what they say on the web, um, 
a colonoscopy calls, you know, costs less than a root canal in in uh, in the um, the bare face value there. And I don't know if they're telling the truth on the web or not. You know, you never know what you can believe online, but you could always uh, trust uh, magazines, you know. But... Um... Uh... You know, so that's one thing. And you know, I've seen a BBC report and uh, a documentary on mental health, and they showed people, medical doctors, and and uh, other people who don't live with medications, even though they are bipolar. You know, and. So it's not a, you know, it's not a black and white issue, okay? Because over in Europe, you know, uh, Lyrica has EU approval for anxiety. Uh, in Finland, at least, I don't know what other countries, but... Um, so... You know, it just depends who's regulating the drugs, okay, and what they say they're good for. And... And so... If you want to get less technical about it, I mean, there's some countries, even in Europe, that don't have you know, top-notch mental health care, okay? So, I mean, they don't, you know, they don't deal with the issues, you know, as scientifically as other countries do, okay? It's not as, you know, it's not as black and white, okay? And... And so, I mean, the doctor I was working with, the independent pharmacist, I mean, the independent psychiatrist I was working with in Fargo told me that, you know, she was allergic to penicillin, okay, when she was young, okay, and, um... So... You know, drug allergies are a very serious thing. I mean, you don't want to be allergic to something like penicillin, I mean. <laughs> because, you know, I know someone before the age of penicillin who died of strep throat. Um, 
so even may, even though it's a very uh, primitive drug, I mean, you have to take it seriously. And, um... So, when we talk about COVID now, of course, talking about psychopharmacology doesn't seem so important now, does it? It's mainly trying to keep yourself away from an illness that could just tear you to shreds, you know? I mean, you could be really healthy and get it and just die, or you could be very sick and survive, you know? There's no way of knowing, you know? And... um So, um, you know, it's, it's a very, uh, risky affair there. You know, it's, it's not, it's not so black and white. I mean, it affects every, every individual in a unique way. Okay. You can't make blanket generalizations and say, well, you know, just because this person is healthy, they're just going to be, you know, rise up to the, you know, rise, resurrect back to earth because they had it, you know. Uh, it's not that clear cut. Uh, and you can have someone who may be sicker who gets it and they fight it off. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's ironic. It's not fair. And that's how the way it is. So, I mean, you have to be cautious. And, um, so, uh, you know, having a bunch of people acting like bozos in a psychiatric ward without masks does not make much sense in you know in today's society okay it's almost a caricature if you've ever lived down in indiana and seen you know what they did on 9-11 okay because i remember what the mood was like okay it, it turned from kind of upbeat to somber in a second and you know and you know it's um it's you know it's not something you can take lightly okay it isn't um it just is not no uh and so um So, I mean, 
the Canadians remained unscathed from the housing crisis. Okay, I don't know how they did it, but they did it because they didn't have 9-11. Is that the answer? I don't know. But, um, you know, they didn't have a housing crisis at the time. And um, so that chunk of time in Canada was going rather well as America was, you know, kind of having to um, fight all of these battles, you know. And so it really um, became a very messy situation, okay? So that's kind of why I think that um, Canada has taken more of a sharp turn to the right when when before, you know, it was more moderate Mulroney, you know? <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, back in those days, you know, if you were polling people about Canada, uh, they would say that, you know, this place is going to be joining the USA any minute, okay? Any minute, you know. That was around the time of NAFTA. And um, that was the mood then, okay? Um... And um, now it's a completely different story. I mean, um, uh, during the 21st century, uh, Canada kind of ramped up its, its um, you know, reputation because uh, they had the oil sands and... Um, Uh, you know, they try to capitalize on their you know, natural resources, okay? Um, Quebec, the referendum with Quebec, you know, did not go through. Um, and so, it, um, you know, it's kind of, It's kind of how things have changed, you know. When someone on on um, the PBS NewsHour says that, you know, Canada is like Swiss Family Robinson, you know, <laughs> well, they're off the mark there. Um, you know, um, because I've been there, and you know, even in the '90s, and it's no Swiss Family Robinson, you know. <laughs> um, uh, and so, um, you know, um, you know, it, I mean, they, they do things, 
instead of saying, you know, saying, you know, together we pray, you know, the family that stays together prays together, you know, they don't use that term up there. Instead, they have the government um, celebrate Family Day and they, um, they, you know, they, they try to give you, um, you know, they try to make family living affordable with child care. At least they did in the past. That was their, you know, their, um, their method of operation. You know, make child care more affordable. Um, you know, make sure that having children, you know, you get a, you know, a bonus for having a child and, you know, um, uh, you know, they try to make it work for families in a very practical and pragmatic, you know, economic sort of way, you know, rather than wishful thinking, you know. Um, it's very um, pragmatic policy, you know. Uh, no, uh, no hyperbole there, okay. Um, so, um, so I mean, we can talk about these things, and I'm kind of going laterally here and just talking about drugs and other issues, but, um, you know, Canada, you know, if you live in, if you live in um, some states, you know, it's legal to smoke marijuana, but across Canada, it was a national policy, and um, I don't know because I haven't been there since they've, you know, instituted that policy, whether Canadians like it or not, okay? I'm just getting what's fed to me through, you know, sources down here. So I don't know if everyone up there thinks it's a sound policy, okay? If it is, it may be. If it's not, it's not. Or maybe it varies between the regions of the country. I really don't know. You know, I don't have I I don't have a clue. And um. Gordon Lightfoot sang a song about the building of the Trans-Canada Railroad or the Continental Railroad or whatever they call it, but you know, he celebrated the the uh, railroad up there and he honored it with a song, okay? You know, up there they call um, Gandhi dancers navvies, okay? And um... And so he's saying this epic song about the building of the railroad in Canada. 
and so I don't know if passenger rail is more popular up there or not, but um, you know, if you get on the VIA from Winnipeg to Toronto, you're going to see, you know, quite, you know, quite the sights without having to drive. And if you get on it from Winnipeg to Vancouver, it's also going to be quite the sight to see. And, um, so, um, so I mean, what am I trying to say here? Um, Um, you know, so just remember there is a Grand Railroad in, in Canada too, just as, a, as there are railroads in the United States. And when I was living in Lafayette, it's a, you know, they had to do railroad relocation, you know, they weren't so, they, they weren't so, um, obsessed with flood control, but they were obsessed with railroad re relocation, you know, um, so, um, you know, um, and, um, you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of, kind of the way It's kind of the way that um, you know the way it goes. Um, uh, but um, you know, and you know, when you talk to some of the people in the sociology department at Purdue they will criticize the Japanese transplants. And I don't know if they're being sincere or not, but, you know, um, you know, I, um, you know, when I read the Lafayette Journal and Courier, um, uh, um, they had this like special issue and they said well you know this city has just you know taken off like a rocket since that plant has been here you know <laughs> they had a special edition of the paper and they were going into all the details of of how much that development meant to that place you know And, um, so, uh, you know, um, 
Uh, and Uh, you know, so that's, you know, and then you might read something in their travel section at the time in the Journal and Courier, and they have the headline that says Duluth is like the mini Seattle. I mean, they were giving Duluth very good press. So all you Duluthians, don't fear because, you know, the editors at the Journal and Courier made sure that was front and center. <laughs> uh, and I think they were being sincere. I don't know, but, you know, um... You know, they were giving it some good press anyway. Um, so, um, and so, I mean. So, you know, um, but, um, and there used to be, when I first moved down there, uh, there was this X-rated store, and, um, you know, up in Sudbury, you know, they, you know they you know those kind of shops are all over the place and um and uh you know um and so um they had it for a while and then the city got rid of it Okay, and um, and then I think they what they did with the land is that they redeveloped it, and uh, I think they put in a fast food outlet there. If I if I'm not mistaken, and uh, um. And so, you know, there was that one there in West Lafayette, and then there was one across the bridge in Greater Lafayette on the, across from the uh, Tippecanoe Mall. And um, I don't know if that one's still in operation, but I mean, those kind of places, you know, are, you know, they're like, they're built like uh, professional businesses in Sudbury, Ontario, you know. Um, so they have that, and then, you know, then they have, you know, it's really ironic because they have those kinds of places, and then they have, um, you know, uh, gay bars, and then, then they, or I mean, one gay bar, and then they have, um, 
uh, even though it is a really rough and tumble place, I mean, they have a, you know, um, they do have a gay bar, and it's kind of ironic. Um, and it is also ironic that, uh, you know, they have this uh, uh, journal called Open Minds Quarterly where you can just, you know, write about mental health in any form you want. You can get technical, you can be personal, you can do anything. And um, to have a, a journal like that in a city like Sudbury, I mean, just about is beyond belief. It's just beyond belief. You know, I just, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, um, so, you know, I, You know, you have all these uh, hardworking miners, you know, in Sudbury, you know, <laughs> and, and I mean, um, and, you know, and they have this, you know, they have this uh, open minds quarterly because, you know, they have to deal with, you know, a lot of environmental factors that make the job kind of tough, you know. And I don't know what the reasoning behind it is, you know, I, I really don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, they have that journal there. Um, you know, so... Um, So what I want to say is that, um, I don't know, I mean, what else do I want to say? Um, It's quite, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, Americans like to be ignorant about Canada and it's right next door, okay? Because a lot of the reason is because we don't get their media. I mean, you have to be way up on the border before it's in your cable package. And, and, um, When you go up to Canada, no matter where you are, whether it's Eastern or Western, you get all the American TV in your cable plan. 
So in Winnipeg, they get they get all the Twin Cities stations. Okay, they get all of them, and plus their CTV and their CBC, and. Over in Sudbury, they get their CTV and CBC, maybe. I, I think there's a local CBC outlet there, but uh, they get their, their American TV, at least they did at the time. They got it from Detroit. Um, they got all the affiliates, American affiliates, out of Detroit in their cable package. And um, so it's like, you know, the Canadians are seeing US TV and seeing their Canadian TV at the same time. Whereas, you know, whereas uh, in America, you know, it's only those who live in certain locations have that on their cable plan. Okay? So, you know, they can't compare and contrast the different medias up there like we can down here. I mean, like we can't down here, okay? Um, and so you don't have to get all highbrow about it. I mean, the solution, if you want to know what it's, you know, both countries are like, rather than stocking the library with tons of books, you know, just add the CBC and the CTV onto the cable package, and then Americans will be informed both ways, you know. Then they can make their decisions and see, well, what is it like up here? What is it like down there? Okay. Um, so, you know, um, You know, that's one way to to kind of educate people about both countries in a very, you know, democratic way. Um, so, that's a simple solution. It's a simple solution, you know. You can have your Canadian studies in the U.S. if you add CTV and CBC to cable plans. Okay. Simple. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Um, so, um, you know, uh, You know, um, so, so I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, 
you know, it's 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 just a very pragmatic plan. You know, the Canadians are pragmatic enough to add American TV to their plan, but we can't be pragmat, pragmat, uh, pragmatic enough to add Canadian TV to our plan, you know. So there's more... Um, there's more uh, uh, understanding on both sides of the border, you know. And at least that's what they should have done before online, you know, and they should have had it on the cable packages. Um... And, um, so, you know, um, so, I mean, that's, those are just some of my thoughts right now, and, uh, I'll just end it there. Okay, thank you, bye.